Hey guys, Ian here with another episode of Unleash and Unhinged, the podcast where we talk about all things dog. Dog training, dog behaviour, dog health, literally anything you can think about when it comes to dogs, we'll talk about on here. We hope you enjoy the episode. Cat's going to be so proud. <laughs> um, no crossed hands today, Kath. I promise that. You're my lap. <laughs> Where are you? Move over. Oh, over the place as always. Yeah. There it is. There it is. Um, what are we talking about today? We're talking about can you reinforce fear? Yeah. And like, that's how I worded it originally when we were talking about what we're going to talk about. But for, I guess for like, the uh, average person, it's like the question we get asked is, "Oh, if my dog's scared, uh, should I comfort them or give them treats?" Mm-hmm. Um, because we get the assumption is often, "Oh, you shouldn't do that because you'll make them, you know, you'll reinforce the fear. You'll make them want to be scared again in the future." Mm. No, it don't work like that. No, and it. <laughs> No one wants to be scared. <laughs> no, no. You'll do anything to avoid that feeling of fear because, you know, when you think of feelings, feelings are um, a involuntary response to something. Mm. You don't think about it, you go, you, you don't walk into an environment and go, you might go, is this going to scare me? But that's a thought. Yeah. It's not, you know, the butterflies or you know whatever every feeling it's not a feeling yeah thoughts are different to feelings and if, if I like you know my thing is you know sharks right <laughs> if I'm on a paddle board surrounded by sharks and you go hey Dom do you want your favourite ice cream and I go yeah I do oh if I get scared you're going to give me more ice cream nobody thinks like that well, no. No. But it's, you know, that's the, I think that's the kind of concept that people well, are going by. That's what they've been told, I think. Some people are still peddling that, you know, if your dog gets scared, you shouldn't, shouldn't pat them or praise them or give them treats or try to comfort them because, well, you'll make them want to do that again in the future. Yeah, and look, it's, you, you, can't, you can't reinforce fear. A negative emotional state. No, because no one wants to fear. You'll do anything to avoid that. You know, that's why when dogs display barking and lunging, if they are fearful or anxious, they are doing that to create space to get rid of that feeling. Yeah. Because once that dog or human or whatever it is goes away, the feeling starts to dissipate. So, you know, animals for survival, we do things to avoid those things we don't do th- i mean you get some people who like to but that's people you know adrenaline junkies adrenaline is different to fear it is a, exactly it's not it's not that feeling of oh my god i could possibly die right now yeah the my favorite analogy on this we've got um our friend dr julie ashton to thank for we'll miss her um come back julie <laughs> um she summarised it brilliantly for uh, one of my uh, one of the clients we shared. Mm. Um, and she's like, if you're having a really bad day 
and someone offers you a glass of wine and this client wine was on her you know things. breakfast list <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh yeah I mean good on her um, but no um, well maybe but um, not that day she was sober for the consult at least but yeah like um, rot wine would be you know a, a high value thing to this lady would if if somebody offered you a glass of wine um, would it make you want to f- have another shit day again and the answer's no <laughs> but, um, there is a caveat in, mm-hmm. in that you can accidentally reinforce and strengthen the behaviours that come along with the emotional experience. Mm-hmm. So there's that, but they're two different things. You can't reward fear. You can't make anybody want to feel more fearful. Mm-hmm. But you can accidentally make the behaviours that come up as a fearful response more likely to happen if mm. they get scared again. Yeah. Well, yeah, because a feeling elicits behaviours mm. in all living beings, you know, whatever that might be. So if that is continuously then reinforced, you might get the behaviour with without the fear in the presence of the stimulus, you know, from like they might go, oh, I remember when I first, um, when I first, my first reactive classes and... I had this lovely lady with a German shepherd and he did the bark and lunge. Mm-hmm. And what happened, and it was purely my fault of um, not explaining how to um, effectively mark and feed. Mm-hmm. So yes and feed or click and feed. But we could see that the dog's feelings about other dogs had changed but the barking was still as strong as ever. So what this dog would do would be, you know, see a dog and go, ha, woof, woof. And then turn around and look back. And turn yeah. around and look back. <laughs> and the woman was like, I think I've actually taught him to bark. And I said, well, we've, we have accidentally mm. because our timing has been out, uh, the distance that we were at was, was possibly out. But this dog was, you know, he would joyfully just walk up to a dog and go, woof, woof. <laughs> because the, the body language was different. So when he previously had seen a dog, he would uh, lean forward, ears forward, head high, tail at 90 degrees, mm. um, and throw his entire body yeah. and bark. But what happened? He would... <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> there's like, you know, there's so many differences there between like feeling scared and losing their mind and playfully going, I'm going to engage in this game. And regardless of how you feel about the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's, yeah, it's a different emotional experience. So you managed to change the emotional experience for the dog. The dog was no longer experiencing the same fear and by the sounds of it was actually getting to the point where it was enjoying so I bring on the dog man the activity <laughs> yeah, yeah she's enjoying the activity around the dogs but yeah the behaviour that had come along for the ride uh, was still barking and lunging but mm. coming from a different place yeah and I would you know we'll get, I'll often get pushbacks on like well I, you know what happens if what happens if that happens yeah, oh my god the dreaded like what if my dog learns to bark at other dogs and then look back at me for food and my normal 
general response is, first of all, we're going to try for that not to happen. Obviously, we don't want to train the dog to bark at other dogs and look at you for food. But that's a better problem to have than the dog being fearful and losing its mind. Well, even that, you can you can create a chain of behaviours anyway, right? Yeah. So, you know, if, if the dog is doing that, they can, if they go and say bark at a person, you can go, thanks for letting me know, now come back here and, you know, touch my hand or, you know, go lie in a bed or here, now you're going to go and get a bone or something like that. So you can then manage the amount of barks that happen so it does become a chain of events yeah. when, this, when the environment changes. Yeah. But... You know, I think it is what you were saying before. It's it's a it is about hello. Um, oh, holy joins the combo. <laughs> All right, mate. Uh, it's when people say, "Well, do you really want to join the combo?" You're, you're up on the lap, mate. We have we have a dog. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I was just the, the line to him. Like you just, can, excuse me. Can I just jump over you to get to dad? Thanks very much. Hello, mate. Rude. When people have that question of can I reinforce fear, it's still taking away that. Well, let's work with the fear. Mm. So rather than like obviously explaining to the person, no, you can't because it's a it's an involuntary emotional response to something. We can change their association or not their association their feeling to it first yeah so what we have to deal with is the fear yeah not just you know and if and i, I say it to clients you know if your child people with children if your child is scared do you just stand back and go i mean maybe back in the 70s and 80s it was like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah that's how we yeah, were, that's, right. that's my generation that's how we were brought up you just look you've fallen out get up you know you're scared don't worry about it um, and I suppose there's levels of putting, uh, well, I suppose, no, exposing dogs in a controlled way to something they might be worried about so they can have an experience that is not based around fear. That's what we want to do. Yes. But it's important to remember that we have to work with the fear. Yeah. No, it's, you know, we can throw lots of food in, like with that German Shepherd. It did happen over time, but all the, the situations that we put this dog in were all controlled environments. Yeah. So his emotional response changed. His behaviour was the same, but the motiva- emotional motivation behind his behaviour was completely different. So there's two things. Right, and that's something to really identify, isn't it? Like, we are often trying to achieve two goals. Mm-hmm. You've got the behaviour, which is the symptom of the other thing, which is the the emotional response. So whenever we're, you know, if we've got a negative association, sort of fearful association of a stimulus, whatever it might be, pit, person, dog, cat, car, doesn't matter. Fundamentally, the first goal is, let's change the emotional experience. Let's, what's that, the conditioned emotional response, the mm. CER if we're going to get technical but um let's change that that's because that will the behavior normally comes along for the ride well Well, the behavior doesn't happen without the emotion yeah right so blinking behavior is survival we behave to survive every living being does but there will be something internal that will elicit that whether it's an emotion or your genetics or how pain um previous experience so you know if it's we you walk into a room and you smell something that will elicit a memory which will then elicit an emotion which will elicit a response so if you walk in you smell something nice 
that reminds you of your mother's cooking. You think, oh, wow, that, you know, I remember, you know, week at nights where we'd eat spag bowl and, you know, that might make you smile. So there is, a, it happens so quickly, we don't even, like, it happens unconsciously. So I was listening to uh, neuro, uh, neuroscientist Nicole Vignola. Vignola? Anyway. Not going to try and correct you. No. But she was talking about um, on a podcast that she was on that 90% of what we do is unconscious. Yeah. 10% is conscious, right? So, yeah. you know, when we think of, and, and that makes it easy for, that allows our brain to have the time and space to take in that new information and process it. Once the brain has done that, it goes into the memory bank. We don't have to think about it because we've already done it. We've had the experience. That experience is an elicited emotion, whatever it is for each individual. And then how we respond, same with dogs, how, we, how they respond in that space again will happen dependent on all of that. So that sequence of events happens. So if there is a dog with an, a negative emotional response to a particular thing, we have to create that experience where they feel safe, because safety is the ultimate thing for every living being, where they can learn, experience, build confidence, be confident enough to be curious about that particular thing to then move forward, which then that's where the behaviour change happens. So when people think, oh, we just need to, you know, my dog barks and lunges, fix it. Well, it's not to do that. We need to go back here and do this. It's not like, oh, well, just, you know, I'm just going to kick kick it and I'll just stand here and eventually it'll stop barking. Yeah, of course it'll get tired. Yeah, which is so different to, yeah. Oh, you know that. <laughs> I'm just sitting there like, yo, I'm not going to jump in because that's you're killing it. Um, but that's, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. The behaviour um, that comes along, tip, you know, typically, if you just like break it down, but like, Fearful behaviour normally looks very different to confident behaviour. And if you just concentrate it on, even without going into the semantics of which behaviour you train, just trying to build confidence. Well, that's it. So at the moment, um, I'm doing some work um, with a client who has an eight-year-old Labrador. Uh, she previously lived on a farm. She now, well, she's been living in, um, in the East for a few years. And they want to introduce um, a dog walker. Mm -hmm. And they had someone come over um, and the walker took her out and this dog just went, nope, I'm not going with you, I'm too worried, and just sat, refused to move. (laughs) She had treats and, you know, the the walker was was trying. She wasn't, you know, just dragging her around and, you know, she called the, the caregiver and said, look, I don't think she wants to come. Um, then she got in touch with me and I said, okay, well, what we need to do is build trust, right? It just, yes, she's a Labrador. Yes, she'd probably eat until she exploded, but that's not about, that's not what it's about. We need to build trust around uh, for this particular dog. So what myself and and, um, my walker have been doing this week is going over for visits and we just hang out with her. We, we watch her body language. So as soon as the door opens, she comes out barking, but she does that with everyone Um, even some people that she knows. Uh, We allow her to come out. She gets her information by scenting. Then when she walks in, we, you know, we take a few more steps. She she might look, you know, the first day she was like, no, no, I'm really not sure of you. Okay, well, you know, you take your time. So we're not patting her. We're not throwing food at her because I don't want the food to be poisoned. I don't want there to be any kind of luring because, 
yeah, she'll come and take the food. That'll just create confliction. Exactly. So we've today we did um, another set. We're only there for like half an hour. Mm. We're not there for ages. We haven't put a lead on her. Um, today, open the door. There was a little bit of barking, so we're introducing a cue of, hey, you want to come say hi? If she does, so again, there's no food in the hand. If she chooses to come, I'll pay her. Yeah. If she chooses to leave, I'll still pay her. Yeah. Because I want every choice this dog makes to be a positive one. Yeah. I don't want her to just, okay, well, I need, and she's creating space, so we allow her to do that. Yeah. And then we wait until she moves towards us and then we'll pay her again. And then we walked in and today, even just after, so we've spent a total of half an hour, uh, an hour with this dog. And so Monday and Wednesday, uh, we came in and then she was like, huh, Mm. you, what if I do this? So now she's offering these, she's trying behaviors, right? So when you put, when you Put an animal in a situation where they are comfortable enough to try. Yeah, so that's like, let's just say something out loud that you did to get there. Mm -hmm. What you did in that initial process was build confidence in her making choices. Yeah. Doesn't mean... No matter what they are. When you get there, when you get to a dog that is comfortable and confident making choices... Then you don't have to reward every single one. No. <laughs> and this is the thing. So when, you know, speaking to the caregivers, I said, so we are going to use food, but we're not basing this on food because she's not going to come out with us because of food. Mm. I want her to see us walk in and go, oh, my God, it's you. Where are we going? Mm. Without food. Um, so, yeah, when she came up, fed her. Moved away, fed her. Came up, fed her. And then she moved... So she has a safe space, which is on the kitchen, uh, on the on the kitchen, the entire kitchen. She's, she's, she's an enormous life. She's on the entire kitchen. She's a hippopotamus. She's a hippopotamus. Uh, well, she goes and lays on the kitchen floor. So she does have a bit of a sore hip, and I think that gives her comfort. <laughs> oh, this huge train wreck. <laughs> okay, who do you want to sit on? Me. He doesn't even know. You don't know. You just you just want to, you just want to be famous. This is my fucking <laughs> um, camera. So she went in. She lay in the kitchen, and we we're like, "We'll just give her time. Mm. She wants to come out. She come out. She did, and she stayed. Yeah, great. Um, so you know, again today it was just she was moving freely. We went, okay. Well, now we're. Isn't that funny, right? Oh, she went a little weird. If a dog is scared of. And this just literally pops into my head and it could be absolute rubbish. But we see so many people, like if the dog's scared of you, like me, mm-hmm. we'll see people go, oh, it's okay, just give her a second. Uh, she's scared and it'd be nice to win her over. Yet when they're on the other end of the lead and they're scared of something else, it doesn't make sense to them to be nice and patient and comfort them. Well, I think the context is different too. Yeah. You know, because if you've got... So I'm pointing out the changing context for some reason has yeah. completely skewed yeah. well, expectations. Well, expectations for us as humans are a lot of the time, especially in public, society-based. Mm. You know, because if you've got a reactive dog, whether it's um, frustrated or fearful... If that dog responds to another person, depending on that person, I reckon at least eight times out of ten, that other person is going to give you a look that gives makes you feel, so going back to mm. feeling, embarrassed, ashamed, yeah, 
a bad dog owner, you know, all of these things, which then affects how you behave and how you respond. I remember first when Archie started doing it, I can't tell you how many times I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, you know, Mm. because of the looks I would get because he's big ginger dog lunging at the end of the lead, barking his head off. Yeah. And then my behaviour towards him would be, Archie, no. Yeah. Yeah. Because we start to then feel we're being compromised. Back to feeling. Yeah. And then I'd go home and go, oh, God, dude, I'm so sorry. You know, that's, Mm. that again, that kind of vicious cycle of that person who I don't know and really I don't care about judged me. Well, maybe even didn't. But yeah. then you probably, you know, we jumped to the conclusion that they did. Well, it, going back to sort of um, things like, pre, you know, predictors, mm. if you walk outside and you have a dog that displays a particular behaviour, you then expect yeah. that that dog is going to display that particular behaviour, which then sets you, bless you, which then sets you on a baseline of what's going to happen today. Yeah. Which is going to make you tense. And then when something does happen, your ability to cope with it is minimised. Your response to it will be snappy mm. because in the back of it, your back of your head's going, you shouldn't have put that dog in that situation. Yeah. So you're angry at you. Well, yeah. What you're angry I, what, at the dog. Not a fear-based situation, but because um, uh, working with uh, a couple of clients today and they ask the question, what do we do if the dog snaps at the son? And it's three-and-a-half-year-old son, the dog and the son are pretty, actually not got the worst relationship, you know, they're, they're not bad around with each other, but every now and then the son will just be a be little a bit... Be a three-year-old. Be a three-year-old, right? And obviously we talked, for the record, you know, we talked about management and everything else, but the reality is that there is a chance that this may happen, mm. right? And if it does, she asked the, my master the question, um, what do we do? And my reply was, "What? how do you respond if the three-year-old uh, kind of lashes out because they're uncomfortable? She went, well, pick them up and sue them. And they go, right, maybe don't go and pick faster up, but like, go and sue them. Do what you can to create space and sue them. And she's like, makes sense, cool, easy. Like, treat them how you'd like to be treated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, well, in those situations, it's always, um, I can imagine it's difficult. I'm not a parent, but, you know, there is that parenting instinct that kicks in as well. Yeah. Because I remember going and seeing um, clients. I'd met them just before the baby arrived. And then I met them only a couple of weeks after the baby had arrived. Um, and their response towards this dog and this dog was just sort of moving around very large dog this dog was very interested in the baby and the dog moved his head towards the baby's head and the reaction of the father was uh very it was reactive Mm. wasn't a response and i said to him because i you know said management and these you don't do this and Mm. try not to do this and I said, that's why. I said, because now you're a dad. Yeah. And your instinct is going to overtake your rationale. Yeah. Because you're not going to pause and think, is my dog going to bite my baby's head off? <laughs> yeah. 
it's not pause and think moment. No, you instinctually respond. I Mm. said, so these are the things that you need to be aware of with babies and, and, you know, toddlers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because sometimes shit happens. Mm. But how you respond, because you can't can't set yourself up to practice the, oh, no, it's okay, all I need to do is this, as opposed to reacting towards the, the... the dog of the situation. That's right. That's right. Well, guys, we're going to leave it there for today. Thank you very much for tuning in, and uh, we will see you all next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. That's it for this week, guys. If you ever want to ask questions, give feedback, or just provide some suggestions regarding the podcast, find me on Ian Shivers Dog Advocate on Instagram. I'll be happy to help. If you're feeling really generous, leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening to this podcast on. And if you want to nerd out more with us, then find our sponsors because they're the ones that make all of this possible. See you next week. This episode is sponsored by Canine Caregivers. I've had so many people reach out to me over the years, not knowing where to turn to online for reliable and consistent advice on how to raise a healthy and happy dog. The information out there is hard to navigate. It's hard to know who to trust and who not to trust. And frankly, some of it is just downright dangerous. That's why we created Canine Caregivers, a place where you can come and get educational resources and access a supportive community founded on the care approach for people just like you, whether you've just brought a dog into your life or you've got a dog that is experiencing some unwanted behaviors. The content is updated regularly and we constantly keep in touch with our members to make sure that we are bringing relevant and up-to-date content that truly matters to you. There's different tiers of membership for different needs. So you can be sure that you don't have to break the bank to access the information that can literally make all the difference to the quality of life between you and your dog. Head to caninecaregivers.com.au to learn more.